I, um, I'm Terry, and, and um, if you're a visitor, we're, we're grateful that you came. You've probably heard that from me before, but I really, really have a lot of gratitude for people that decide just to, to trust us for an hour. Um, I have this habit when we get to this time of the service before we go through the normal message to, um, to just come up with one proverb, one of the chapters out of the book of Proverbs, and since today is the 20th, I took one out of chapter 20, and I picked verse 7. The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. That's a great promise. So um, I, I say happy to you all, happy Easter. And of course, that's, that's, that's really a big deal because if Jesus didn't actually prove he was who he was by defeating death, I, there wouldn't be any reason to be here. And here's the thing. People all over the world today um, are gathering and celebrating Easter. And this event, Jesus coming, walking out of the grave after a few days, is not contested historically. People do not contest that it actually happened. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, all over the world, and, and it just is a wonderful thing. There's an empty tomb, a stone got rolled away, and someone who was dead got up and got it, decided, okay, that's long enough there, I'm going to get out. And, um, and, uh, and, that, and that fact changes everything. And so today I'm going to start a new uh, four-week series about Jesus called I Am. And if you're new, I want you to understand right up front, I don't think I'm Jesus, okay? So let's just get that clear. Um, this sermon series is I am Jesus, but I'm not, I'm not saying to you, does this make any sense, okay? Listen, you have to smile at me when I say something stupid like that. Otherwise, it's going to be, I told you before. So um, over the next four weeks, we're going to look at the, the I am statements that Jesus made, and you find them in the, book of, in the Gospel of John. Um, and so like an I am statement, what's that? Well, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's one of his I am statements. He said, I am the bread of life. And if you let me, I'll keep you from ever being hungry again. That's a paraphrase. He said, um, I, he said I am the gate. I am the door through which you enter. Those are statements I am that he made. Next week, we're going we're gonna to go over his statement, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And the following week, we're going to take a look at where he says, I'm the light of the world. And, oh, poor little one. Bless that little one. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> maybe somebody could get her a little bit of water or something. Maybe somebody could find her a little bottle of water. Um, that'd be great. We want to take care of our little ones that are important to us. Um, and then the last week, we're going to take a look at the statement where he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Where he basically says, if you abide in me, if you abide in me, you're going to bear a lot of fruit. But, but apart from me, you're really not going to be able to come up with much at all. That's basically what he said in that one. Today, we're going to look at the I am statement that seems to fit perfectly on uh, Resurrection Sunday. And that's this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. And even though they die, the one who believes in me will, will live. He says, I am the resurrection. Now, just to be real clear about resurrection, a resurrection is when something is dead and then it comes back to life. Okay. I mean, maybe in the summertime you'll drive along and you look at somebody's front yard, uh, maybe my front yard, and um, the grass won't look too much alive. You'll see this picture of dead grass. And maybe you'll even see a sign. Can't help myself. Um, uh, <laughs> okay, if you come here, you know what that's about. So... Um, it's about cats, and I just don't even need to say the word cats because I'll get in trouble if I even talk about cats. But anyway, you'll see this yard that's dead, right? And maybe there'll even be a sign that says, um, uh, I'm not dead, I'm just sleeping, right? Okay, and they're, they're not watering because they're saving water, you get me? But if you put water back on it, it comes. it's not really, really dead. Or if you're a fan of the Princess Bride, 
then you might think like this. He probably owes you money, huh? Well, I'll ask him. He's dead. He can't talk. Look who knows so much, huh? Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead is slightly alive. Now, all dead, well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. What's that? Go through his clothes and look for loose change. <laughs> okay, so I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the grass. I'm not talking about mostly dead. I'm talking about completely dead. And when that completely dead thing comes back to life, which is a miracle. And uh, so I'm not talking about those things. And there's this story um, where, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection of life. And when he said that, what a lot of people don't understand, he was saying that in the context of another, uh, in another story about a guy who died but didn't stay dead. And his name was Lazarus. And we're going to read his story, and there are three characters that we're going to take a look at that I think you can see that they were dying something on the inside through that whole process. And then we'll see how the resurrection of Jesus brings something back to life there. So we're going to start in, verse, in John chapter 11, verse 1, and I'm going to provide the scriptures for you if you didn't bring your Bible. So just read along with me. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. We're going to find out he wasn't just sick, but he was so sick that he was going to die. And um, he was from Bethany where Mary and, and Martha lived. Verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And this was, a, this was really bad news in the middle of something that was going on in a good life. And, and even in this group, like today, I think there are probably are many people that are celebrating really good things going on in your life. I mean, I've talked to several, the morning, several this morning, and there are lots of good things, exciting things. But in this room today, there are probably many other people that are um, got some sort of similar bad news, like the one you love is sick, Lord. Like, the one you love is sick. Maybe, maybe someone that you really care about has been to the doctor, and the doctor has said the C word to them. Or maybe, maybe the job you love is just now somehow evaporating in your, in your eyesight. You had no plan, no idea that this was going to happen to you. Or maybe your dream marriage, what you thought was going to be your dream marriage, is not that at all. It's more of a nightmare, and it's just getting worse. Or you have a close friend and a friendship there. You thought it was going to be something, and it's just not. It's unraveling. Or you get a phone call from the principal about your teenage child, and he's not calling to tell you that they're on the honor roll. You get some news and it's just not all that good. I, I w- I've been a pastor for a long time, and before I was here, I was a pastor, um, a staff pastor on this church up the road, and I got a phone call one morning. Um, this, is, this is in 2001. And uh, so right before our church service, we had multiple services, and right before the church service, we had the leaders would gather and we'd be praying. And I'm in there praying with the, the staff, and um, my phone starts vibrating in my pocket, and I ignored it. Because we were in prayer, prayer, you know, and um, as soon as we came out, I had to walk. It was upstairs, and I walked down this long hall and go down. I took a few steps out, and I thought I better check my phone, pull it out. And it's a voicemail from my mother, who's called me. Now, by the way, she's not here. She was in the first service, and I had permission to share this story with you. So, if you know my mom, um, I want you to know this. She, she, she was prepared for this today. I don't think I was, but here's this message from my mom. This is 2001. And the message said, um, Terry, your father's had a heart attack. I called 911. 
the medics have come. I need you to come and get me. And um, so I'm thinking, oh, I don't know what to do here. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be the strong son. I'm supposed to be this pastor who, who knows what to do. And I think I went and I found Lisa. I said, come on, you're coming with me. We've got to go. And um, so we started driving. And it's about a 10-minute drive to my mother's house, my mom and dad's house. And I remember getting off the freeway. As I was getting off the freeway for the exit nearest their house, I was watching coming up on the on-ramp on the opposite side the uh, medic van with all the lights going. And I knew my father was in that box and uh, on his way to the hospital. And I'm thinking uh, all these things that are going through my mind. And, and I, I go driving into the neighborhood, and my mother's not at her house. She had come out and was walking. She didn't want to wait till I got to her house, so she was already walking. And, and I'm thinking, you know, what am I going to say to her? What am I going to do here? I mean, uh, to my own mother who's looking to God and, and the paramedics had said to her, he's gone. We've done everything we can do. And they kept working. There's more to that story I'll tell you in a few minutes. I'm trying to decide, you know, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, in the middle of all this, Jesus says something that's amazing and we see what he says in verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness is not, will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. The very thing that you would never want to have happen in your life, God is going to use it. He's going to be glorified through it. There's more to this picture than you realize. And so I'll quickly summarize what happens in the next nine verses, five to 14, because you know everybody thinks he's heard this now. He's going to go fix this situation. That's what everybody figures is going, going to go on. So, um, but, the, but the problem is that for two days, Jesus does nothing. Jesus hangs out. They're going, hey, you know, Laz, you know, what's, what you, what's going on here? And he does nothing. He's hanging out. They're freaking out. He's hanging out. What's going on? We don't understand it. And like, you know, what is going on? And so here's what happens. A couple of days later, he says to his disciples, okay, his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And they say, no, 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 Lord, you don't want to go back there. The people there want to kill you. They'll kill you. And uh, he says, no, no, but Lazarus has fallen asleep. We've got to go wake him up. And they go, well, okay, he's sick. If he's taking a nap, that's healthy for him. It'll help him. Let him sleep. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'll just say this to you plainly. Lazarus is dead. We're going to go resurrect him. We're going to go bring him back to life. Now, man, that must have been an amazing moment. You know, wondering what they're thinking. But we got quite a scene developing here. And I think as we take a look at this, we're gonna, I want to look at three of these characters that are involved in the story. Thomas, Mary, who had a sister. She had, they were two devoted sisters. And the other one was Martha. And um, we're going to see three different ways that these people were experiencing this process. And while they did, there was something dying on the inside of their heart while this was all going on. So maybe some of you will, underst- will relate to some of this because there was a dead end involved for each of them that they were going through. I want to start with Thomas, and some of you will relate to Thomas. Um, he was dead in his doubts. Thomas was dead in his doubts. Now, this is the guy that we would know of, know of as Doubting Thomas. He, he, there's all these examples in the, in the New Testament of stories, and he, 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 he earned that moniker. We call him Doubting Thomas. And, and we see this especially, we can see that one of these examples is right there in verse 16. Then Thomas, 
also known as Didymus. Now, I have to say, I admit, I'm pretty immature, okay? So we, we get to Thomas, also known as Didymus. And I'm thinking, his name is Didymus. That make you, I mean, made me chuckle. It means twin, but it sounds to me like he should be a rapper, right? I think legitimately, if we paraphrase, we can call him Diddy, okay? So we're going to call him, we're going to call this guy T. Diddy. And, okay, <laughs> so, hey, I'm taking a little bit of license, but it's accurate enough, okay? Diddy is short for, okay. So he says to the rest of the disciples, now watch him. He's going to be real sarcastic here. He's, he's going to, this is sarcastic, T. Diddy. Um, he says, let's, oh, sure, let's just, just go that we may die with him. In other words, this is never going to turn out good. Why are we even talking about this? Doubting Thomas. And I'm kind of curious, I mean, how many of you would say on this Easter day that at some point in your life, I mean, this is for sure true about me, you've had some sort of spiritual doubt sometime in your life. Come on. Put your hands up. You've had some sort of spiritual doubt. Okay, I, I don't want to take any surveys or anything. I know that just about everybody I know in my life at some point has had some legitimate spiritual doubt. And for those of you who didn't raise your hand, you can go ahead and polish your halo for the next few minutes while the rest of us talk about this. But, but I'm saying, I mean, it's everybody at some point has had some sort of doubt. It's just, it's just true. I mean, you know, you, you, there was something that you maybe believed that God would do or you prayed God would do and you knew he could do and he would do it. But then he didn't. And then, boom, all of these doubts come you know, cascading in, and, and you're thinking, why did he do this? Or, or maybe, maybe uh, you had a fairly straightforward and simple faith in the Lord, and, and then you got to the point where you took your first Bible literature class as a freshman in, in school, and, and some college professor said to you, hey, none of this stuff is true. And you started to wonder, well, Whoa, is it not true? Did it really happen? Is this real? Do I, have I been walking around on my own faith? Is this just my parents' faith? I mean, and, and, and this doubt just kind of starts to overcome. Or, or something really bad happened to somebody you really love and you care about them. And you're thinking, you know, God is good. I've heard that, but it sure didn't see him step in to fix this. And I can't see any reason why he let this happen this way. And he's all-powerful. Why, why didn't he stop it? And suddenly, you're like Thomas. And something on the inside of you is just a little bit dead in your doubts. Or maybe some of us are a little bit more like Mary. Not dead in our doubts, but dead in our discouragement. You don't just, you just, you, you look around, you just, you just don't see good things happening. You just can't seem to get a good break on things in life. And Mary was really, really, really discouraged at this point. Verse 20, we'll see that when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But what did Mary do? You know, Mary stayed home. She didn't go. She's probably thinking, you know, why bother? I mean, he could have done something before, but I mean, why bother? There's nothing anybody can do. He's dead. And that may be where some of you are right now. You know, you think, I, I, can't, I can't change any of this stuff. I I'm always going to feel alone. I'm, I'm always going to feel depressed. I'm always going to be stuck in this dead-end job. I'm always going to have this marriage that's not going where I thought and hoped it would be. I'm always going to have these things. I'm just stuck. I'm discouraged. And some of you, you know, you might be there right now, and, but you're not going to show it because it's Easter. I mean, you've got your, your Easter clothes on, and you, you might even have the Easter lingo down. Praise God. He is risen. You know, you know the right things to say. Smiling on the outside, but down inside, there's just something in you that's just really discouraged. 
Some are dead in their doubts, some are dead in their discouragement. And then Martha, you know, maybe you can relate to her. She was dead in the delay. God had taken so long. Jesus should have come back earlier, but he didn't. Why did it take so long? In verse 17, we see this coming out in her. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead, had already been in a tomb for four days. Now, I look at details like that. I interrupt, you know. I, I see details like that, and I think, you know, what's the significance? Why that little bit of detail? Is it just to make it interesting, God, or is there a reason? And I don't know for sure the reason for the four days. Why was it four? I have some idea. I'll give you one. Um, in their culture, they had a very commonly held belief. Now, it was a cultural belief. It's not what Christians believe. It's not what the Bible teaches, but it was a cultural belief. We have that kind of stuff today too, right? But they had this cultural belief that basically said when somebody died, their spirit hung around for three days before it took off. I don't know where that comes from or why. It's pagan, obviously, um, and it's, 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 it's got to be in its origin. But you know, there was some belief, you know, it's kind of be like, you know, you won't lose a baseball game if you keep wearing the same socks from the last one you had a win for. So you don't change your socks all season long, right? None of you have ever done anything like that, I'm sure. And I wash my socks after I don't play. Anyway, so, um, so there was this cultural belief. It's this, 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 this folklore. And I have the tendency to think, you know, I, think, I have a tendency to think that the reason that it was four days later was because God wanted some time not only to he'd be glorified in the resurrection, but I, want him, I think he wanted, also wanted to squash this superstition that was floating around and said, hey, uh, the Spirit will only be there for three days, so if you're going to do something, you've got to get three days to do it, God. As if God would be held to that kind of a time frame. Anyway, so at this point, in her mind, Lazarus wasn't just mostly dead, you Princess Bride fans. He was completely dead, all the way dead. In fact, later Martha described it. He was so dead that the way that she would describe him if, when she found out Jesus was going to open up that tomb was, was that he stinketh. Okay? It said, he's so dead that he stinketh. Are you sure you want to do this? Okay. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. He would not have died. You took so long. Where have you been? You could have done something about it. Why don't you come sooner? And some of you right now, you can relate to that because you feel dead in your delay. You're waiting on some sort of answered prayer. You're, you're waiting on some sort of result from God. I, I've known, um, you know, some... Um, my daughter is in her 20s, and it hasn't been that long ago that she, all of her friends were pre-married, Right? Um, maybe she still has some that aren't, that aren't married, but I, I would have these conversations with some of them and um, they would say, you know, I, I love God and I don't want to get married. I want to get married. Where's my man? And they would say, you know, I'm keeping my nose clean. I'm doing, my friends are all getting married. I'm not getting married. Where's my man? How come I'm not getting married? I'm always the bridesmaid and they feel discouraged in this delay. And I've known married couples. You know, they, 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 they want to have a baby really bad and they paint the room and they put up the decorations, and they take the classes, and they even buy the outfits. You can buy so many cheap outfits at Costco that are so cool. <laughs> I have a granddaughter, and I'm learning this, how to go broke having a granddaughter. Anyway. <laughs> and I watch their hearts break as their friends, their married friends, actually just look at each other over dinner and get pregnant with triplets. <laughs> and they can't, they just can't get can't get, you know, pregnant. And they're saying, God, you know, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with our dream? 
And this delay is just eating away their hope. Maybe some of you, are, you've been praying for some loved one. And um, the prayer has been something like this, God, I, I, I love you. Thank you for giving me peace in my life and direction and answering prayer. I want this, and they put in your name, or you put in their name and say, I want this person to experience this kind of joy and peace in their life too. How come the more I pray for them, the further they seem to get from you? And the delay, and the delay. And I I know people who are praying for somebody else. They're praying, God... I know one man who's, I don't want to go into specific examples, but I know people who are praying for someone else's physical healing. God, come on. Come on. And we serve a God who says, hey, with God, all things are possible. Remember that God? You said that like God would somehow forget. And they pray and they pray, and God's just not doing it. And if they feel dead in the delay. And if that is you today, I just really hope that that this will speak to you, that somehow the Holy Spirit will speak something to you that maybe you won't forget, and that's just this. That when God's delays are not his denials. Maybe you've heard that before. His delay, a delay is not the same as no. Just because he hasn't done something yet doesn't mean that he's not going to. And I want to remind you about a scripture. It's a good one for you just if you can remember the numbers. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. And basically, it's a, it's a place in the Bible where God is, is, is there's a discouraged person and, and God is saying, hey, do you know how I think about you? And this is true about you. He's not thinking about the things you messed up last week, the way, you, way you've done just all of the calamity. You know, he doesn't think about those things. You know what the scripture says? Here's God's word to you. Here are the thoughts I think about you, about your future and about your hope. Good stuff to give you a future and a hope. And God has those kinds of thoughts about you in spite of the very thing that's going on in your life today. Last week, so I was, pre- I was prepping for this marriage, or this, this, this message, and you know, I read this, and I, I, do, I read a lot when I'm working on these things, and I have lots of Bibles, different versions, and I like to see what different... So I'm reading one that I hadn't picked up for a long time, a long time, called The Living Bible. Remember the Living Bible? Some of you will. It's, it's, uh, um, I don't even know if they sell them anymore. And so I'm reading it, and I notice something that, um, that everything bad happens. You know, Lazarus dies, um, you know, T. Diddy freaks out, you got Mary and Martha both freaking out and upset, and, and all this bad stuff happens, and then you turn the page. All the bad stuff happens on page 850 in that particular translation. I mean, 850, you know, that page. Then you turn one page, and there's a shift that takes place on 851. And here's what Martha said. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She looks at Jesus, and she says, I know that even now, even though we're dead in our doubt, our discouragement, we're dead in our delay, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And some of you in this room, you just need an even now moment with God. You're stuck on 850, your page 850. It's time to turn the page and somehow let the, the, eight, the page 851 faith carry you to a place of peace and hope and let that come alive. Even now, all things are possible with God. And, and, and that's, I should finish the story from before. That's exactly what happened in the kitchen, you know, when my father, my, my, my mother was at one end of the house, my father was down cooking breakfast, and I don't know if she heard something, or somehow she sensed something was wrong, and she went, she went down there, and she found him on the floor, and he wasn't breathing, and 
And, uh, you know, she had taken a CPR class in her women's Bible study six months earlier. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I think it helped her. I'm sure it helped her. Um, but in the moment, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you become rational in a moment when you're mate of decades? So she dials 911, and they're coaching her through the process. And he's not responding. And she's not giving up. And she's, they're coaching her, and she's doing all this. And in the meantime, they finally show up. They have fire engines and all the lights and all the sirens. And, and they take over, and they work on it for quite a while until um, one of them said to her, he's gone. He's gone. And um, I don't know what her thinking was, but what my mother did in that moment was she just dropped to the floor, laid her hands on him. And she didn't, I'm sure, she didn't tell me she prayed the words even now, but she started praying, Lord, the one you love is sick, and I need a visit. And something happened. He started breathing again. And they, um, God did a miracle. God did a miracle. They had said he was done, we can't fix this. And he started breathing again. And I, I don't want to leave you hanging with this. They put him in the ambulance, and they took him to the hospital. Of course, that's when I picked my mom up, and we went, and he died again. And the doctors came out, and they said, we, this doesn't look good. Even now, Lord, you've got to touch him. He had a full recovery. The Lord visited him. Twice they said he was done, finished. He had a full recovery. He lived for four more years, and then um, um, one day he was diagnosed, and they said, you've got a, a form of cancer. It'll take your life. He was gone in three months. And all through that process, I am so grateful for those four years and three months. I miss my dad like crazy, and, um, and I'm not mad at God. You know, I, I really feel like that was four years of grace. It was full of peace. It was full of life. And I see the Lord's hand and how he did that and how the end came and all of those things. And it was hard. It was hard. I miss my father. I love my father. And it was hard, but it was so right because God was glorified through it over and over and over again. And we experience an even now moment. Even now. Even now. I think that's really good. Would you say that? I think you should say that words even now. Even now. Together, one more time. Even now. Good. That's good. Because I think some of you need an even now moment. Even now, when you're discouraged, you know, the presence of God can come to you and give you the peace that goes beyond your understanding and build your faith. Even now, when you feel all alone and you feel lonely and you feel that there's nobody there, the Lord can come to you. The word promises, he says, he will give you a peace that goes beyond your understanding and guard your heart and your mind. Even now, God can reach into your, your messed up family and bring in harmony and forgiveness and friendship and fun. And he, I mean, he can, even now, God can do those things. Even now, when you look at things around you that you would look and say are completely impossible, God says, all things are possible even now. And maybe you have really been bruised badly at some point spiritually. Something has broken your heart and you have, you know, that has allowed your heart to become maybe a little bit cold toward the things of God, maybe a little bit calloused. And I would say to you, even now, the Holy Spirit is drawing you in. That's why you're here today. Even now, the Lord will soften your heart and draw you into his presence. And even now, when there is something that's dead, this resurrection power of Christ can bring it back. And that's what 
That's what happens next in the story, verse 23. So Jesus says to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha answers, she says, I know I'll rise again in the resurrection in the last day. So she's confused. There's a different resurrection she's talking about. So Jesus fixes this, her understanding. He says, Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Notice he didn't say, I'm able to resurrect. He said, I am the resurrection. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He's talking about heaven there. And then he asks her this this penetrating question, do you believe this? He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. It's a person. Verse 27, Martha said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is expected to come into the world. After Martha had said this, she went back home and whispered to her sister Mary, The teacher is here and he's calling you. Just like I think he's calling people in this room right now. He's calling you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to Jesus. He's calling. Will we answer to that? Dead things don't stay dead when the resurrection walks into the room. They just don't. And the resurrection, Jesus, he looks at the tomb where Lazarus, (laughs) he stinketh, right? And he says to the disciples, okay, take that stone out of the way. And when they did it, we see in verse 43, It says, Jesus called out in a loud voice. (laughs) And why was it loud? I don't know. But he's, you know, he's going to call for Lazarus. And he has a loud voice and he calls him by name. I don't, maybe dead people don't hear very well. I don't know. (laughs) But I think that he called out with a loud voice and called him by name so that all the other dead people would know that Jesus was not talking to them. (laughs) Right? Think about that for a minute. Um, He says, Laz, come out of there. (laughs) wow and the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face Jesus said to him take off the grave clothes and let him go and now that is a great story on Easter the the two Easter stories because Jesus is dead in the tomb and there's a stone blocking the tomb Lazarus is dead and in a tomb and there's a stone blocking the tomb and Jesus goes to Lazarus, he makes arrangements, he tells the disciples, roll the stone away. When, when, um, when Jesus is in the tomb, these ladies walk up to the tomb on Easter morning and they want to do some things and they wonder, you know, who's going to roll that stone away? And some of you on the inside, on the inside, down in your heart, where you've lost faith and you've lost hope, you're dead in your delay or you're dead in your discouragement or you're dead in your doubts, and you feel trapped in a tomb and you don't have either the will or the strength to roll the stone. Jesus is rolling stones. I believe he's rolling stones out of the way right now. And on this Easter morning, I want you to know that, that Jesus rolls stones out of the way. And with the same kind of voice that he called Lazarus out, I know that today he is talking to people and saying, come on out of there. Come out of your cave. And he's the primary things he would say to people is your sins, you know, let's just let's just erase them. They can all be forgiven. Not because you're good, but because I'm good. Not because of the things you do, but, but Jesus would say because of the things I have done and the choices I have made. He's saying you can be set free. Not because you're strong, but because I'm strong. The resurrection is not something he did. It's who he is. 
So here we find ourselves in the spring of 2014, and we've just come through Christmas season, and we've celebrated the birth of a baby. God in the flesh come to the world, and he was miraculously born of a virgin. And sometimes you may think, well, what's this thing about the virgin? What's, that, what's the relevance of all that? And, and why, here's why it's relevant. He did not inherit the sin nature of his father. Instead, he inherited the divine nature of his heavenly father. Perfect. And God, in his love and in his mercy, did something for us that we could never accomplish for ourselves. He became this lamb, the sacrificial lamb, without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. He was perfect. In fact, he's the only sufficient and perfect sacrifice that can pay for our sins. Jesus Christ. And, and when he did that and he hung on that cross and he got down to where he was finished and he, he looked up to the Father and he, and he said, you know, God, I, I did what I came here to do. I did what you sent me to do. It is finished. He said the word to tell us die. And then in, into your hands, I commend my spirit. That, that word to tell us die is actually a commerce word. It'd be like um, you pay for something and you get a receipt and on the bottom would say paid in full. That's what to tell us die literally means paid in full. He's on the cross and he says paid in full. God looks at Terry. The father looks at Terry. Says, you know, I love you, Terry, but you sin here, 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 and it doesn't stop. It keeps on going. You can't, you can't, you can't be here. A perfect God, you can't be here. And Jesus intervenes. He steps in and says, hold on, Father, I got this. I got this. Terry, get behind here. And I step behind the cross. And that's how I know Terry, me personally, that's how I know that my name is written in something called the Lamb's Book of Life. And there will be a day, there will be a day when there will be a dividing and the Lord will say, is your name in this book? Because if it is, come on in and enter into my rest. And it's good there. And if your name is not in that book, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. If your name is not in that book, you don't go there. You go somewhere else. And here's the deal. You can't get your name in that book by earning a Boy Scout badge. You can't do it, get it by helping a needy person across the street, or you can't get it by going to church every Sunday, every day of your life. You can't give it by filling the offering plate with all the money. You cannot get there by doing anything because you are all going to cancel out all your good stuff by the, by the mistakes you make, by the sins in your life. You can't do it. That's why the cross is so miraculous because, frankly, the Romans did not execute Jesus. That's what they think. But he came to pay a price. He came to do something, which was to take all the sins of the world upon him and say, I love these people so much. I'm going to give them a gift if they'll receive it, and that's eternal life. But it's not automatic. It's not automatic. Here's what the word says about this. It says, who all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. Into your hands I commend my soul. And the earth went dark and it shook. And all the people who had hoped and, 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 and thought that he was going to be something different and come in a different way, they had despair in those moments, in that darkness. They only saw the heartbreak. They didn't see the resurrection. They only saw page 850. They didn't see page 851 yet. And some of you right now, you're stuck on page 850. And with just one touch from God, 
you get to flip the page over to 851. <laughs> and I'm not telling you that on page 851, everything's perfect. I'm not telling you that on page 851, nobody dies, nobody gets sick, your hair doesn't fall out, or that everybody doesn't love, love, love dogs like they ought to, okay? That's not all on 851. But what I'm telling you is that what happens on 851 is always going to be bringing glory from page 850. It'll be okay. (laughs) It'll be okay. And some of you today, here's how the word describes us. Some of us are dead in our sins. The scripture says we're dead in our sins. Because when that day comes and God says, is your name in the book? What? Another way of saying that question, what is your name in the book is, what did you do with my son? That's another way of saying that question. And if the answer is, oh, he led my life. He was my savior. I'm so grateful for the price he paid for me. Come on in. But if the answer is, well, he was a really good guy and he was a prophet and a teacher. But there are lots of ways here. God's going to say, yeah, but sorry, this is my heaven. And there aren't lots of ways. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the door through which you enter. I am the gate. Those are all the words of God. And I want to say to you that to every one of you in this room that your sins can be forgiven. You can be made brand new. That's the good news. That's the gospel. <laughs> Amen. Heard that little voice. Good. You go, little one. Because the tomb is empty and he's risen. And God's Holy Spirit is, I think, at work in people's hearts today right now because I know he's calling people. And the question is, Mary, Mary heard this. She got up quickly and went to Jesus. He's calling you. Will you answer? Lord, let's pray. Lord, I pray right now that your word and your presence would build faith in, in us, your people. And Lord, we talked about reasons to be discouraged, depressed, brokenhearted, Lord. And I, I want to pray for people in this room that maybe they're discouraged today because of some of those things going on. God, would you bring in hope where there's hopelessness? Your word st- says that you order the steps of the righteous. Lord, I pray that you would do that. Your word also says that all things work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. God, would you, would you make that promise fulfilled in that now, I pray. And that doesn't necessarily always mean, God, that, that you're going to do things the way we'd want you to do them in the timing we would want you to. But God, we just have to trust you. And so I, I would pray, for Lord, for people who have doubts today, people who are wondering why you haven't done the things that we think you should do. And I pray, Lord, that you would intervene for people in, in your highest and your best. That's what you always have for us. I thank you, Lord, that you do those things for us. While we're praying, I would just ask everybody to close your eyes and ask, is there anyone?